Good morning. My name is Corinne Statsny, and I serve in guest services and also head up our meals ministry. Um, we're going to be reading John 20, verses 1 through 18. And if you want to use the blue Bibles that are um, underneath your chairs, it's on page 28. So I'll give you a moment to find it. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. You may be seated. All right, thank you so much. Well, good morning. All right, thank you. Interactive, I'm hoping for that. My name is Dave. I'm a pastor, as um, Amy shared earlier, at Redemption Tucson, and it's great to be with you all. I've actually, we've been here before once. My Family and I came on July 4th and, and got to be here with you all, and um, we are a church plant. Uh, I don't know if we were still in the plant phase, but anyway, COVID kind of threw us back a couple years, so we're back to a plant. No, we, uh, we, we, we planted about eight ye years ago and just love um, what God's doing here among you all, and I'm, I'm honored to be here um, with you. Josh asked me and, and kind of even told me, like, don't use any props. But I, which I usually don't, but this, I have to, I need some, I have some questions about this. Watt forever, 
Um, my kids are a part of our youth group, and one of my daughters, I think paid money for this, actually, um, <laughs> went to a, uh, here, I'll throw this back there to you. Um, and um, yeah, so one of my daughters came out wearing this. I'm like, oh, okay, no, I got to have that. And uh, so anyway, Josh, as you know, was a youth pastor before this, and I guess I'm guessing that was a farewell. We love you. You're with us forever. Peace. Um, so, so with that, um, again, I'm just glad, though, glad to be here together. And um, before we get into our time in John chapter 20, I'd go ahead and encourage you to turn there, be, you know, on your app or something like that. You, you don't um, n- know me. I want to just introduce myself again. I, um, I have a, a sweet wife and um, four, four kids. I have two of them here um, with me and two stayed home, you know, which two are my fa- favorite, at least for, for today. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm blessed by my family. And I also want to let you know, kind of out of the gates, that I stutter. It'll kind of come in and out as I go. So if I say did I stutter? You can laugh. It's, I'm not being, uh, I'm not joking. Um, but yeah, so I do. So it'll kind of come in and out as I go. And I just want to make sure that you know what that is. And, and I also don't want to share my, my heart, not just because I stutter, but why you should l- listen to me is only um, if and because I, I am speaking much of Jesus. In fact, the, the author Paul, uh, Apostle Paul, in first. Corinthians chapter 2, he, he said, and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my um, message and my speech were not with persuasive words of wisdom, um, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So I have no wisdom or power to bring to you, um, but, but I believe and trust and invite you to join me in praying that God's power will be um, made clear as he speaks to us through his, his word. So let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for this group of people. Um, in this moment right now, we're together, we're, we're sitting indiv- individually and corporately under y- your word. And so we, we pray and, and ask that you will speak to us. And, and I pray that you, by your spirit, will help us, Lord, to have eyes to see and ears to hear the good news of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. amen. Well, uh, happy Easter, I'm honored to get to be here with y'all on, 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 on Easter. Um, I hear some chuckles, and maybe that makes sense why someone actually kind of scolded me when I was dropping my d- daughter off at the kids' church and said, you're overdressed. <laughs> so I said, you're underdressed. No, I, did, I didn't really. I, can't. Um, I uh, said, don't you know it's Easter? It's, it, uh, so you might be wondering, what, what are you talking about, right? What, what is that? I, I don't normally dress up. Um, and uh, I didn't mean to match Jack DeBartolo <laughs> today, but I'm glad I did. I mean, good, good, good company. But it is really Easter Sunday. Okay, look with me the first verse in chapter 20. John says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from 
the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we did not know where they have laid him. So uh, a couple things. The fact that John puts it in here right there out of the gates, that it's the first day of the week. So he mentions it's still dark, and not just it's dark because it's early in the morning and the Sabbath was over from Friday evening until um, Saturday evening it's sundown it's it's now Sabbath and but it's right before the sun would come up on the first day of the week which is Sunday right if you're like me I didn't grow up in church I was no and even this I would read and be like you're kind of silly Sunday's the last day of the week right it's like school's the next day the first day this is the last day to hang out and sleep in and you know all that but no and it was the first day of the week so the Sabbath ended the week with a day of rest, especially for Jewish people. And so they would rest from sundown on, on, on Friday until um, through sundown on Saturday. And so if you remember just a couple of weeks ago, there was a sense of urgency when Jesus died on the cross. It was late in the day and they needed to figure out what to do with his body. And, and it, was, it was getting dark. It was physically dark. It was spiritually dark. It was, it was hopeless right? Jesus had just proclaimed that he had come to make things new. He had shared about what he was doing and why he came. And then all of a sudden he's dead. It's dark. It's confusing. But on the first day of the week, the, 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 the day that would shape every day from here on out had finally come. So again, I say to you, happy Easter, Okay, if, if, if you remember only one thing from this time together, it's this. The resurrection of Jesus shapes everything and one and day. Ever since the moment he rose from the dead, it defines everything. One person said it's the most radical event in all of human history. Right? We say, as Amy shared earlier, we say all of life is all for Jesus. We say that taken from a quote from Abraham Kuyper who said, there's not one square inch in the entire cosmos, right? The entire universe over which Jesus, who is Lord of all, does not declare mine. It all belongs to him. Because Jesus rose from the dead, every atom Every molecule, every birth, every death, every breath, every relationship form, every relationship ended, every identity, hope, purpose, dream, fear, leaf falling to the ground is informed by Jesus raising from the dead. So I want to ask us all as we interact with this text, how does the resurrection shape your life? Because John's argument, his presentation, is that Jesus raising from the dead is meant to inform every day of our lives. One pastor said, right when COVID hit and we were talking about Easter, if you guys remember, like, oh, it'll be done by Easter, right? We'll be, we'll be back together, it'll be fine. Well, he declared, you know, when someone, not me, some others were like, it might not, you know, and uh, was like, well, either way, Easter is not a date on the calendar Easter is a life-shaping confession. In fact, Paul, again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 
He says that if Jesus didn't really raise from the dead, what we're doing here is foolish. Like just, we can kind of hit pause every once in a while and zoom out. Again, those of us that didn't grow up in Christian homes, like sometimes we just take these things for granted. But if you pause and you look at it for a moment, if Jesus died but didn't raise from the dead, we are foolish. Like zoom out for a moment and watch us. Some of us have our hands raised, our eyes closed, or maybe weeping, or it's silly. It looks silly. If you were just observing this, it's foolish. But because Jesus rose from the dead, every Sunday, we remember the first day of the week. We remember Jesus risen from the dead. We acknowledge that Jesus is currently, presently, sitting on the throne, ruling over all things, where he's declaring, I am making all things new. So Mary discovers the tomb is empty. She's confused, so she runs and she finds some of Jesus' closest followers and she tells them. And so they run to see what has happened. So pick up with me now in verse three, and we're just gonna walk through these verses together. So Peter went out with the other disciple, right? Earlier he said the one whom Jesus loved. And they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. So just pause there for a moment. Um, I, hopefully you've, 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 you've heard this or... I often read this and I'm like, all right, John, you keep saying that. We're, all, we're in chapter 20. It's kind of getting old here, this humble brag. You know, John, you know, the one Jesus loves, and then moves on. And now you've gone too far. Like, he's like, you're just stating the facts. Okay, you run a 4-2-40. Peter's sluggish. He eats too many donuts. You outran him. Why do you keep slipping these things in there? Well, Again, John doesn't do anything by accident here, and so he's acknowledged all throughout why you should listen to me is not because I'm John, this famous person. He was likely old by this time. He wrote this, and right, he, it's not, he doesn't have any credentials. Why you should listen to him is because Jesus loved him. What would it look like for us, right, when we say we have nothing to prove and nobody to impress? Well, that's only true if our identity is so firmly grounded in the good news of Jesus loving us, dying for us, inviting us into his resurrected life. That's John's identity. And then, so why did he, you know, just state the facts that he outran Peter? Again, there's, there's, there's purpose there because he's deferring. Peter led the group of disciples and so there's intentionality there that though he got there first, he waited. He didn't just go in by himself. And this will come up in a, in a moment. We'll see why it's so important. But he gets there first and he waits. And then Peter goes in and then he joins him. So pick up with me. I think we're in verse, verse five. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloth lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus's head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. So again, something that we would likely miss in our day is we just wouldn't pick up on the fact that in every gospel account, who does God want to reveal his earth-shattering plan to. It's women. 
women discover the empty tomb. And in this day, that would be a foolish plan. If, you're, if you want to make a big splash, you would not choose women. Women were in, in, overlooked, marginalized, really not prioritized at all in their society and their day. And yet God, as we see throughout Jesus' entire ministry and all throughout scripture, God is constantly aware of and pursuing the least of these, the marginalized, the overlooked. He's showing that though we think the way up is up, climb over others, trample over others, right? Stand on someone's shoulders if you're short like me. You need to, you know, get up however you can, but he constantly shows, no, the, the way up is actually down, and, and, and that strength is actually revealed in weakness. God's economy is completely upside down from ours, and yet there's a problem. Oh, no, God, you're, you're in trouble. What are you going to do? Because no one's going to take this resurrection seriously if some women came and said, oh, I discovered it, or as in verse 2 says, we, a group of women, we discovered that this tomb is, is empty. Jesus must be alive. Well, you had to have not one but two male witnesses. So God, as he constantly does, he goes by his own script. He platforms and prioritizes the marginalized, but also still makes sure that there are two male witnesses, right? In fact, Peter went in first, then John joined him, and they both discovered together, Jesus is gone. All these are interesting facts, and if you're taking notes or you're following along and you love this stuff, some of you some of us may love this stuff, right? We're like, oh, just give me all the, all the, all the apologetics and all the details. That doesn't shape our lives, though, right? When, when, when tragedy strikes, when fear comes crashing in, all these facts and interesting topics don't really do anything for us. But what John shares here about what they discovered he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. And then later, the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head. Okay, in case you forgot what a face cloth is, it's on Jesus' head. Okay, in case we don't put two and two together there. It had been on his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. What we ought to be seeing here is Jesus' calm control over all things. Okay, if you recall, or let me just share with you, in John chapter 11, someone else rose from the dead, right? It was like the, like the, uh, like the opening band or whatever. Okay, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, but it was in stark contrast to this. It's actually a pretty funny scene. Jesus, right, first Jesus wept, the shortest verse in all of Scripture, so Jesus wept, he has compassion, it was his friend. And then Jesus authoritatively and powerfully says, Lazarus, come forth. And then what happens? Lazarus, his feet are bound, his hands are bound, his face is bound. He comes like hopping out. I don't know if that's where we get the Easter bunny. No, it's not, but right. Lazarus comes hopping out of the tomb and Jesus says, go ahead and unwrap him lest he die again, right? We have to do this whole thing over again. Like he can't even breathe. He's got a cloth over his face. And so you see the power of death, even in Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. It's a stark contrast to what we see though here in Jesus is Jesus demonstrating it's done. 
Thank you, as we saw last week. Thank you, Nicodemus and Joseph, for your borrowed clothes. Thank you for the empty tomb. I don't need them. I'll never need them again. It's folded up symbolically showing that Jesus had borrowed the burial clothes but would never, ever need them again. And it was jarring, right? John believed, but not fully. He doesn't fully understand yet, but it says he, he began to see, he began to understand, but he still, he went home, okay, perplexed. And then pick back up with me here in verse 11. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. So in this moment, these two angels wearing white, right? They're shining, they're glowing. That's a sign of purity, of, of p- power, one at the head, one at the feet, again, symbolizing completion. She sees them and they say something interesting to her. Woman, why are you weeping? So that word woman, that term is, it's not like you would use in our day if you're going to order food after this or you're going somewhere, don't use that term, don't call that. I was raised by a single mom and if we ever uttered this, you better be sure some cleats and whatever else were coming hurling in our head. Like you don't say, it. but in this time, it's, it's actually endearing. It's even a bit comforting, but there's also a tone of exhortation there. Why are you weeping? Right? And she's like, uh, I'm at a funeral. <laughs> I'm sad. Uh, Jesus, who we followed we kind of sold out and sold everything and just followed him and all our hopes are in him and then he died. And there's an acknowledgement here. You're, you're at a funeral. You're, you, you know, for us in our day, right? You're wearing black. Unless you're an architect or you're at a funeral. You're, you know, you're, you're wearing black. It's, it's, it's appropriate. I've sadly been to a couple few funerals this past year, my own family members. And, and, and weeping is appropriate, okay? If you've lost in this last season, some of us, I don't know stories in here. I got to talk to someone after the first service and we all have stories. We've all experienced death and loss in some way. Loss of life, loss of youth, health, relationship, job, whatever it might be, health, you know. It, we, we, there's, it's, it makes sense to mourn. But their exhortation is also an encouragement. You, you are at a funeral, Mary, but it's not Jesus's. It's death's. Jesus has come to conquer death once and for all. Though you're currently weeping, you won't weep forever. Okay, well, that's why Easter, that's why we celebrate on Sunday. That's why Easter is every Sunday, though I'm kind of joking and it's tongue-in-cheek. That's why Jesus risen from the dead defines every moment of our lives. In fact, one commentary explains it like this. Jesus conquered death. He stared into death's cold, cruel eyes and with infinite power, he defeated death 
rendering death impotent. Prior to the resurrection, every person walked this earth with an executioner's blade above his neck, never sure when death would strike. But Jesus disarmed death. He showed us what awaits those who are his once they pass from this life. Again, just, I, I, I want to enter in with a moment, even pastorally. What has loss looked like for you? What has the executioner's blade hanging an inch over your neck looked like? Sometimes our confessional faith, right, what we sing, what we say, and what we actually believe are incongruent. They're, they're, not, they're not the same. We, I've walked through this with some of my own family members. Sometimes we're, we're paralyzed by anxiety, by fear, Again, by longing, if I only had this, right, fill in the blank, if I had this relationship, my wife and I walked through infertility for a number of years, and I remember this sense of if only we had this, then we'd be fulfilled, then we'd be satisfied. Or now as parents, it's like we have this, whatever it is, a job, our children, their health, their, their, their well-being, their lives. If this were ever taken away, I would be devastated, it, that's real, is it not? That's, it, that, some of us, we actually functionally live our lives that way. Just the executioner's blade is an inch above our neck. And, and what I hope to do right now is just to kind of pull back the curtain and just acknowledge that. That's reality. Um, I, I shared earlier some of the loss I've experienced in, uh, oh, oh, just over a year ago. It was a year ago, March um, Second, my older brother and sister-in-law were found dead by an overdose. And I was the next person, after the medical examiner took out their bodies, I was the next one there in the apartment. I'm standing there, and they don't do a great job of cleaning up. And so I wanted to kind of clean up before my nieces and nephews would, would go in and, and kind of say goodbye, you know, to their parents and where they were. And as I stood there, the reality of death just hits it stinks. It's ugly. It's not the way it's supposed to be. There was a lasagna still on the stove, right? My nieces and nephews were probably supposed to come over and eat leftovers with their, with their parents. Sometimes in our day, we try to hide from death and from pain and from suffering. We try to numb it and push it down, but God never does that. He pulls back the curtain and says, it is ugly. But then lovingly, God says, you don't have to keep weeping. This isn't Jesus' funeral. This is death's funeral. Though you weep now, though you suffer now, though you're sad now, though you're, you're struggling now, though you're, you're, you're paralyzed by fear now, Jesus is alive. He reigns victoriously and he will one day make all things new. Amen? Th that good news can somehow shape our lives. Though, like again, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which we think it's all about like love, romance, love and stuff. It, it's not. And it's about God's, God's love for his people. And, and the author there is kind of poetically saying, right now I, I see is in a mirror dimly, right? Like some of us right now might be saying, I kind of get it. I, I, I think we're gonna sing a song here in a few minutes about the power of Jesus conquering death. But then you sit there and you're like, oh, I was gonna call my older brother today. I was gonna... 
right? What, I was going to go to work today, but I, now I'm looking for a new job. I was going to have this relationship, but, you know, our views on masks or whatever, you know, separated us and, right, things seemingly trite and things like life-changing. It's, it's painful. You can say, I, I get it, but the message of Jesus risen from the dead is that the ultimate power of death and suffering has been rendered impotent. And, and church, I want to say to you, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, right, this, I'm like the guy, that, the uncle that just came to the party and kicked the cat and then left, and you can send emails, you know, to, but I, I want to be honest, right? It's not lo- loving if it's not true. Um, if you haven't put your trust in Jesus, is the executioner's blade not still an inch over your neck? I can't fathom how my non-believing, non-Christian family members are, are handling the death. I didn't even mention my dad died about six months before my older brother. It's like, and yet I know that's not the end of the story. But that only comes from responding to Jesus' call on your life. So with that, now pick up with me in verse 14 where we see Mary, right? We can, we can understand where she is. So she's looking in, she's still weeping. And then in verse 14, having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, again, a term of endearment, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, Tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Again, whatever you and I have experienced, sometimes you just, you just put your head down. You're just like, I just got to get through this, all right? I lost this job. I lost this relationship. I've got to deal with all the, I've got to order flowers. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to just get things done. I've got to take care of all, all the details, and we get so focused on these things, and that, that's, not, that's not to shame you. That's, again, that's real life. I do that constantly. But when God intervenes, he makes sure that his voice is unmistakable. Okay, he, he steps in here and she's just looking at, and she doesn't recognize him. And again, you can read all kinds of books and commentaries about that. And even next week, we'll kind of see more about, about, about Jesus's disciples not recognizing him and then recognizing him. That's not not the main point here. The, the main point we see is that she's just, her head is down. She doesn't recognize Jesus. And then Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher, like personal. It's a term of love, of, of intimacy, of surrender. Jesus calls her name. And she hears and responds. I don't know most of your names in here, but but I don't need to. God does. He knows your name. Psalm 139 says he knows every number of hairs on your head, every number of days in your life. He knows when you wake up, when you lie down, when you lie down and you can't sleep, when your mind won't turn off. He knows you. He sees you. He's calling you. And when he calls his own, they hear and they respond. 
In fact, John chapter 10 explains this. I don't think I have it up here, but you can just hear this. In John chapter 10, this is Jesus speaking, and he's talking about the intimate relationship between himself and his people. He says, the sheep hear the good shepherd's voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Though Mary's head was down, though she was striving, though she was doing all these things, when Jesus called her name, she heard and responded and followed. So again, I want to ask, have you ever responded to the call of Jesus on your life? I, you could have grown up in a Christian home, gone to Bible college, been in full-time ministry. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. What matters is, again, that question, does Jesus risen from the dead shape your life? If you've never put your faith in Jesus, that word faith means a transfer of trust. It means you surrender your trust from yourself, your striving, whatever it might be, you surrender and you say, I entrust my life to you. I believe that you showed your, your love for me and your care for me by dying on the cross for me. And then I believe that you displayed your power by raising from the dead and then by inviting me into full life with you. Right? Look, look in, 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 in verse, I think in verse 17, Jesus says, do not cling to me. He's not being mean, but he's saying, listen, you're clinging to me physically. He says, I have not yet ascended. Because when Jesus ascends to the right hand of God, the Father, he will send the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. Jesus refers to the Spirit as his Spirit. He says, okay, I have not yet ascended. When he ascends, he will send the Spirit. And though right now we might think, oh, it would be so sweet to be right next to Jesus. Well, Jesus knows when he ascends and then sends his Spirit, he will be even more intimately close. He will now indwell us, fill us with himself. So he says, don't cling to me. I have not yet ascended, but go to my brothers and say to them, he uses now family language. Go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my father, not just my father, your father. I, and I'm going to my God. Oh, if you hear my call and put your trust in me, not just my God, your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. So again, as we close, what would it look like for Jesus risen from the dead to shape every moment of our lives? Have you heard his call, perhaps for the first time, as we respond now and we have a moment to pray, pray individually, pray with people? You, we can walk you through what that looks like to surrender, to heed and follow the call of Jesus on your life. For others who have, but maybe like me, slip into this moment of putting our head down and kind of just missing it, of being overwhelmed with fear, anxiety, death, sadness. Well, Jesus' call is to lift our head up to find our life in him, to see him risen from the dead like Mary, to say simply, come and see what I have seen. So now let's respond individually and together to this good news of Jesus. Again, um, Lord, we're in your hands right now. 
Jesus, I pray that your call is crystal clear, that as we respond, Lord, that we will have a sense of, like Mary, maybe a sense of being called out, a sense of conviction, ways we've wandered from you, and then also a, a, a sweet and intimate invitation to lift our head up, to stop our striving, or to follow you. Um, so, Lord, I pray that by your spirit, you will lead us all appropriately, individually and corporately, to respond to the good news of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.